You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hey everybody, it's Chris Spangle. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Chris Spangle Show. This was originally a bonus episode for our patrons, but I really liked it. I've got something to say. Uh, so there's a little bit more personal stuff in here than I would normally put in the public feed, but that's what you get with the bonus show. So support the show right now by joining up at Patreon at joinwallplus.com. And uh, yeah, I, I hope you get something out of this message and I hope it inspires you to take action. Thanks. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Thanks for joining me here today on this uh, bonus episode. Um, I've been thinking about doing this for like two or three weeks, just thinking about what I want to say. And I don't really have a plan. I'm just going to talk. Um, I just, I think I want to know, am I alone <laughs> in in how I feel? Uh, so I'd love for you to comment, you know, in the Patreon or in the uh, Dear Leaders Court group, Facebook group, you can join up there. Or you can always email me, chris at chrisspangle.com. Um, it is early morning here in Indiana. It's going to be a beautiful day. It's going to be a pretty week. It's going to be hot. It's going to be like a hundred and some degrees. And we may have rolling blackouts. Which we've never had in Indiana because we're a coal state. But we we can't... We can't we can't have coal. We got to shut down the coal plants. Oh, and Marble Hill, the nuclear power plant, wasn't built, so now we have energy shortages. And I've got two freezers full of expensive fish <laughs> that may go bad this week because uh, we're just not allowed to have electricity. I, I guess. What I want to do here in this in this time is just unburden myself, almost like a public journal, uh, to you guys, my trusted friends, the people that, uh, man, I'm just so thankful for you guys, each and every one of you patrons. You guys uh, not only help keep the network running, you uh, your generosity um, enriches my life. You know, I literally you help pay the rent. <laughs> Uh, for me and my beautiful family, um, I am the sole breadwinner at this point in our household, which, you know, if you're, uh, the, fortunately, I, what I have done over the years is built up several income streams from this. I do podcast consulting, so I help people do their podcasting. Um, I have a full-time job, 
and then the pat down pays me. So uh, we're very blessed, very fortunate. Um, and Reagan brings in some income from um, her stuff, but you know, by and large, I carry the bills. So you know, I really every month when the Patreon check comes in, I'm just thankful for you guys because it it helps. You know, and then all of our different services, man, Hody, an enemy of our enemy is just killing it. They're doing such a great job. And, you know, we use StreamYard and that's 50 bucks a month, for instance. So, you know, and Brian Nichols is working on a couple different programs and Remzo just got married. Uh, so congratulations to our buddy Remzo. Um, we just have such a great lineup of people here on the network and it's such a great, I mean, the friendship that I get from their, uh, from all of these people is amazing and the shared project i just think for every single one of us that's involved is really special um sarah brady is working on a new podcast uh about free parenting with trisha stewart man and and my wife reagan um which is an outgrowth of that breastfeeding show that we did uh, you know, I was, I've been after Sarah to do a parenting podcast for years just because she, she was, a, was, is a nanny, uh, just knows more about kids than I'll ever know. And, and, and just is such a wonderful resource for us here in the We Are Libertarians group as Trisha has a small kid, Andrew Bowman has a small kid, uh, Dakota from Boss Hog of Liberty has a small kid, you know, I've got the three-year-old stepdaughter. So we're always asking her questions, um, and I'm I'm excited for that new podcast to launch. They they've been trying to record their new episode for the for, for like three weeks, but they can't get nap times to sync and bedtime. So um, it's forthcoming though. So that's that's something that's out on the horizon. But you know this this shared project. I hope that it is as I mean, if you're giving us money, it it brings value to you. So I'm not going to dismiss what we as a group bring to you, but I just wanted to say thank you again, um, especially as things tighten up and get more difficult, just how, uh, how thankful every single one of us is for the, for the contributions that you guys make, um, from a dollar up to a hundred dollars a month. Uh, it just means a lot and, uh, we really do appreciate it. And, it is a constant weight on my mind to make sure that we are serving you, that we're giving you the value that you want. Um, I guess I have just had a constant feeling of anxiety and anger going on over the last couple months specifically. Uh, with the state of the world, and I guess this is nothing new, but just as the... The economy gets worse. There's a couple things that just enrage me. Uh, one of them is that we all, we all, as libertarians, knew that this time, <laughs> this was all coming. It's basic economics. If you s make everybody stay home, you shut down every business, and you disrupt supply, and then you pump up demand by injecting into the economy all of this free money quote-unquote, what did you think was going to happen? And 
you know, all those years of Republican politicians and libertarians saying the next generation is going to pay for government debt. Well, we're that generation. And I'm on like my fourth financial crisis and I'm so ticked off about it. You know, I graduated high school in 02 in the middle of that recession. My friends all graduated college in 08 and never got decent jobs because of that recession. Now we're entering our prime earning years where we can save for retirement. And not only did we have COVID, we also have this now. And I know there's great hiring, but inflation robs people of their savings. And then you you sit and you watch Facebook and your stupid friends blame capitalism and corporate profits for inflation. And you're just like, how can you be this stupid? How can you be this obtuse? How can you not see that we have... Look around you. Like, literally, if you're listening in your car or you're on your mower or you're in your house, every single thing that you can physically touch is regulated by the government. It's taxed by the government. There's a tariff on it. There's nothing about this market that is free. And you're going to b- blame business owners? You're going to blame people people who have never been around small business owners, who have never been around uh, anybody that's ever run a profit and loss statement? You know, I-, I grew up with a small business owner where my dad didn't know if we were getting Christmas presents because he had to pay all the bills first or had to take out lines of credit to make sure that payroll was covered. Uh, I-, I-, I mean... And the stress that that causes, and people who don't understand how corporations work, where, where times of uncertainty mean that they have to swell their profits so they can so they can make sure that they're not mass laying off people, that they have to cover their expenses through the next quarter because the government has inflated the currency so rapidly. Like, it just makes me mad. It makes me so angry that it is so easy to find out this information and yet people are still so obtuse you know or when i post about the rolling blackouts and how annoying it is and then some lib turd uh oh well this is just the arrogance of liberalism and look how did we think we could have this many people live on the on the planet and not exhaust the resources no it's not it's not global warming that is causing the the potential blackouts this week. It is that you have not allowed nuclear to be built. You've shut down the coal plants, forced people into solar and wind before they're ready, and now we have energy shortages. And I know that global warming does play a role. I mean, it's, it's partly why it's hot. It's partly... I mean, Lake Mead is draining at an alarming rate there could be two million people in the southwest without water maybe within the coming months Uh, you know and i'll take we probably don't need kentucky bluegrass everywhere in the middle of a desert and we probably don't need to be watering lawns 30 percent of water usage in california is watering lawns uh you know let's go for some natural landscaping i'm all down for that stuff But don't sit here and tell me that, you know, people, poor people are going to die. Old people are going to die from the heat and then try to blame capitalism and try to blame liberalism and try to blame anybody but the progressive vision that is taking place in this country. 
COVID shutdowns, lockdowns, energy policy, the rising cost of used cars, never settle down after cash for clunkers. Not to mention the progressive vision of bailing people out in 2008. You want to know when all of this started? You want to know, like, if, if we're doing a history of the decline of America, it's 2008. It's George Bush saying we've got to, we've got to reject capitalism to save capitalism. And go watch The Big Short. None of those people went to jail. None of the people that, went th- that built that system in the regulatory agencies or the bankers went to jail. They got bailed out. And all of that moral hazard continued. And so when we hit crisis after crisis, we keep bailing out bad behavior. We keep inflating our currency. So the the cost of gas is not actually the most expensive gas. Uh, 2008, when adjusted for inflation, was around like five fifty, five seventy five. So that just shows you how much our currency has been inflated since 2008. So because none of those people went to jail and there were no real consequences in the banking and government sectors, we just continue to rob not just the the poorest among us who just went through the COVID lockdowns, who had their entire life destroyed. And oh, here's a, here's a $2,000 check because you're going to need it for $6,000 worth of inflation next year. Uh, we continually hurt the poor. The poor, the most disadvantaged, the people that progressives think that they're helping, are the ones that are suffering the most. And this is not an anti-left statement. This is the tariffs that Donald Trump put in place. This is the oil reserves that he stopped pumping as a deal with Saudi Arabia to sell them weapons so they could commit mass genocide against the Houthis in Yemen. This is Donald Trump initiating the lockdowns in 2020 and giving cover to every Republican governor to follow suit. This is Donald Trump passing two stimulus bills to Joe Biden's one. And I'm not giving Joe Biden a pass, but let's be honest, after 18 months in office, he passed one stimulus bill, he passed the infrastructure bill, he's absolutely contributed to inflation, but he's completely incompetent and unable to fix anything. He has no mental capacity to fix any of this. And it's not like Donald Trump would either, because his mental incapacity is why we're in this mess. And then the guy sits there and tries to, he loses the election. And I know some of you may think it was stolen from him, but you're just wrong. Like truth is truth. Reality is truth. And just because you refuse to pay attention, because you refuse to tune in and listen, because you want to listen to an alternative set of facts, which are just not real, it doesn't change reality. The guy lost. He tried to stay in power. He didn't care if his vice president got killed. January 6th, the investigation that is happening needs to happen. And you want to talk about the moral hazard of the breakdown of the rule of law, the ending of the Constitution that all these Ron Paul libertarians talked about in the 2000s? And 2010s, oh, we're not following the Constitution. And then you're going to sit here and tell me that January 6th doesn't matter? You fucking moron. This is the ultimate ending game of not following the Constitution. An An autocratic person tried to stay in power after losing an election. He aimed a mob at Congress 
to stop the proceedings so he could throw it into a constitutional crisis and his Supreme Court would give him the presidency. That's reality. You can accept it or not. And the man needs to go to jail and everybody that helped him needs to go to jail. Not the dude standing outside at the Tea Party rally outside on January 6th filming it. Those people are going to jail. Those people are going to suffer consequences because they're little people without any means, without any connections, and they're not connected to the oligarchy. That's what pisses me off, is the people who are actually responsible for the decline of this country are never going to face consequences. Donald Trump, George Bush, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. These people are never going to jail, and they need to go to jail. They're the ones that have caused all of this. The well-connected people, the rich in this country, suffer no consequences. Paul Pelosi is not going to jail because of his DUI. But if that dude was a drywall worker from Newcastle or a black guy from 34th and Keystone, he'd, he'd be facing two years probably because he doesn't have money and he doesn't have connections. So Justin Amash is exactly right when he tweeted that we live in an oligarchy because it's been 60 years since your congressperson has been able to pass anything. You know, all these people who are going, well, we can't talk about January 6th because of inflation. We can't do two things at once here in the greatest country on earth. We've got we've to not focus on January 6th because we've got to talk about uh, inflation and gas prices. As if Congress could pass any law that would fix any of this. They can't do anything. They're completely feckless. You're sticking your head in the sand for no reason. This is about accountability. This is about the rule of law. Donald Trump needs to go to jail for trying to subvert the Constitution. I would say it if Joe Biden had done the same thing. But we knew for months leading up to that election, we did shows on it. You could have listened to those shows, but you wanted to sit there and wash your hands and go, Oh, Trump derangement syndrome which is just a low IQ phrase to wash your hands and mean that you don't have to want to you don't want to deal with actually having to think critically about your own side. And it's just a disease on on all sides. And I'm not on either side. I'm on the camp that wants to just stick my head in the sand, enjoy my family and ignore politics. I mean, I have not been engaged uh, really, it, it, for the last two or three years at the level that I was, and I apologize for that, that sometimes the show may not be as caliber as it was in 2017, but there just comes a point where you've got to protect your peace. But the people, like I have said for a long time, if you ignore politics, it's not ignoring you, and here we are. For the sake of those $2,000 checks, here we are. Eggs up 10%, gas up 40%, and it's not, it's a long road to fix this. It's seven, it's babies dying because they're hungry. <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it just pisses me off. Because the the way to fix this is to actually start listening to some sound monetary advice to take the pain and to let this money work itself out of the system. But we're never going to do that. Because both sides have convinced themselves that they're right and that this is just basically a race to their version of autocracy. Like, you better just join a team because we're going to get autocracy. We're going to get fascism on the left or the right. Just which cultural vision is going to win out? 
it's certainly not classical liberalism. It's certainly not limited government. It's certainly not uh, like less taxes, more freedom, like the classical vision. You know, so when the Libertarian Party turns to the Mises Caucus and says, well, we're choosing the right the right wing vision and we're going to help bring this about because we can't have the left wing vision. Imagine how many people have died over the last two, two or three years. That's that's a convincing argument to a lot of people. How many people have suffered from the lockdowns? How many people have suffered from having their business shut down? How many people are suffering due to inflation? Like the progressive vision of the future is being rejected in San Francisco. They're, they're kicking out prosecutors because they just, they just don't have Walgreens anymore. 20 Walgreens left San Francisco. I almost called it San Francisco. <laughs> Uh, which is a book by Michael Schellenberger, who I guess is running for governor out there, which kind of details the, you know, he's a leftist, probably former leftist, who is, uh, uh, he wrote a climate book, and he basically is just like, nothing you think is working. Like, that's, it's a convincing argument to people that the less vision for America makes you poorer, makes you sicker, makes your rent more expensive, makes it like the products that you are are desperately trying to afford, they're not, there's nothing more expensive about them. It just takes more to ship them to you and to get to their destination. And it, like, it, the money is worth less. Hold on. Had to blow my nose. Um, if you take a, a nursery that my cousin runs, well, the freight charges were $3,500 last year, which was inflated. This year, it's almost $10,000 for a single truck. There's nothing about those plants that is worth more. They didn't change. It's that the cost of getting them to the store skyrocketed because of fuel prices. And the money is worth less. The price of things are not increasing. The money is decreasing. The value of money is decreasing. And these are things that I've been talking about for 20 years, that every libertarian has been talking about for 20 years. I'll never forget last year, uh, an acquaintance I know through work was just outraged at me on Facebook in the middle of COVID when I said, "We, we can't do these checks. We cannot print this money. Oh, people are going to get hurt. People are really suffering. You're just cruel. You're awful. And I want to go to that guy now and go, do you want to apologize? Do you want to say you're sorry to all of those poor people that you thought you were protecting? Because your dumb vision is now increasing suicides. It's increasing hungries. Food riots have started. You haven't seen it in the news yet. But food riots at food pantries is beginning. It's starting. So all of the left-leaning people who have correctly talked about how income equality will eventually lead to more violence are right, and it's happening, it's starting. So I just have all of this anger <laughs> at people who want to use laws to fix society, 
people that think that their vision of how to manipulate the legal system to create outcomes, it, it makes me mad. You cannot fix, if you are on the right, you cannot fix the human heart and make people live a, lo- a more moral life through laws. If you're on the left, you cannot alleviate poverty with laws. You can only increase poverty and misery. I don't know how much more, how many more examples do you need? I just can't afford more examples. So, you know, I I have this anger uh, and I'm doing okay. All right, like I'm doing fine. Our, our our expenses have certainly increased. Our rent has gone up. We pay a lot for rent. Um, we are we are like a lot of other Americans. We've got a little too much debt, and we've got uh, you know the the expenses are going up. I mean, I bet we're up five hundred a month in the last just in this calendar year, in terms of just inflated expenses. Uh, that's probably not including food expenses. Uh, we're eating at home almost exclusively. Um, part of why I'm grumpy is we're changing our diet. Like I, like I said, COVID kind of set off a bunch of different health challenges for me, and I've just not... I haven't had the same brain. I haven't had the same body. Um, it's been very depressing and difficult uh, for me personally, and it's been a challenge... Um, but we switched to Mediterranean, which is like a little fish, a lot of grains and greens and like close to vegetarian. Um, I was eating an insane amount of sugar and white carbs and, uh, just don't, didn't feel good. Now I'm, now I'm eating a lot better. I feel a lot better. I'm losing a little weight, working out a lot more, but I'm just, the thing about losing weight is that you're pissed off all the time because you're hungry all the time. And and the food when you do get to eat is soulless, joyless, brown rice and tilapia. And we are good cooks, so it like tasted as good as you could make, but it's just not a cheeseburger or pizza. Um with a nice big bowl of lime sherbet afterwards. Uh, so <laughs> it just makes you you're just like, "Uh, Take me now. I don't want to live. Um, so what do you do? <laughs> and this is the part that I think has just depressed me and has been a constant sort. I'm a very civic minded person. I always have been. It's why I do this show. Um, but how do I tell you to go out and run for office? Like, how do I, how do I, you know, you're just an Amash and you get elected to Congress and you can't do, you can't do, like, Amash got four votes, within four votes of killing the Patriot Act. So, like, I'm not saying it's impossible, but man, the amount of effort that it takes to, like, win a congressional race, if you are in the right district and the person has retired and... You're in the right party for the gerrymandered district. Like, it's pretty. And then you get to Congress and you're one of the 535 people and you're not in the elite. Like, what are you really going to change? So then, like, 
I tell you to go join the Libertarian Party and you're going to have even less effect? Spend all this time and money joining a social club that, I'm going to be honest, working with Robert Vane on the Leaders and Legends podcast and going out and talking to, today going to talk to Nikki Kelly, one of the top political reporters, it'll be a miracle if Nikki Kelly knows who I am. And I've been one of the most visible libertarians in this state for 20 years. Like, none of these people know who I am. They don't know anything about the Libertarian Party. They can't name one thing that the Libertarian Party stands for. Political reporters, major funders, nonprofit leaders, political parties, from uh, leaders from other political parties. We're just not on their radar. We're, and Indiana has one of the most effective Libertarian Parties in the country. Okay, so let's join the Republican Party. Okay. Like, if you don't like the MAGA nuttiness of the Mises Caucus, that is basically now the Libertarian Party. Like, the Mises Caucus doesn't exist anymore, by the way. You people got to get over it. It doesn't exist. They're now the Libertarian Party. For good or bad, they own everything that happens in the party. And now need to be held to the same standards that they held everybody else to. Bad thing... X happens over here in this place that they're not involved with and the Mises caucus would shrilly oh look at the libertarian party it's not effective well now it's now it's your turn to do it back to them but what's the point of that grief drama anxiety like not wanting to open your twitter because you've got a swarm of alt-right morons I'm not going to tell you to do that So it just doesn't feel like there's a political solution, which is depressing. Uh, and as an ideologue, it's really depressing because I want, I want, like, the weird thing about my life is, like, I started out, like, let's say I'm 18, I started out super optimistic about my role or our ability to change society and the country. But I was really pessimistic about my chances. So I was optimistic about the future of the country. And I was pessimistic about my future. Now at 40, 20 years later, I'm super pessimistic about anybody's ability to change anything in this society. And super optimistic about my future in life. <laughs> like, I don't know if any of you feel this way, but... Um, and I just, I've been soul searching for almost two years about this show and what to tell you and what to do. Uh, and sometimes I feel like I just don't have it anymore. Like whatever it was that built this, I just, I have a happy life. I love my wife and stepdaughter. It's just this peaceful little like place in the world that you know it's great house we're in we got our stresses we got our health issues we got our money issues we got you know crazy family members and we got all that but like just the sense of peace that i feel on a daily basis um is a, a true blessing and i i and i 
it it all comes from Jesus. It all comes from my faith. Uh, but like when you run a political podcast, that doesn't jive, right? Like you're supposed to be like angry and fighting the man and giving people something to do. Hold on, my little producer just woke up. Hi, baby. What are you doing? All right, I'll be right back. We got to have morning snuggles. All right. So I'm sorry if you can hear Scooby-Doo in the background, but we have a tradition. We have a uh, every day when uh, Squish wakes up, she comes in here and we have a little snuggle. And then she watches her tablet a little bit just until so, she wakes up. And then we eat breakfast. And uh, then you watch a lot of TV. That's what you'd like to do. You want to come say hi to everybody? Here. Say hello. Oh, you're getting shy. You can't even see them. Um, she's got her princess dress on. That's very sweet. So, um, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I lived the first 10 years of We Are Libertarians. Uh, everything came, this came first. Now I'm in a position where she comes first. My wife comes first. Making sure that we can pay rent comes first. Um, so I'm I'm working to be as consistent as possible. Uh, but, you know, like, uh, it's... Daddy, you like to work. I do like to work. You're right. She likes to play. And so every time she comes and says, can I play? I say, I'm sorry, I'm working. But the cool thing about working from home is that you can take a little bit of time and we can go to things like the park, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you work and mom do some makeup and then we go to the park. Okay, yes, mommy needs to wake up and do her makeup first. Yeah. Okay. Reagan wakes up every day and leaves her room like Julie Andrews. Takes her an hour to get ready. She puts on her makeup and her clothes and she always looks very pretty, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess your focus just shifts, right? Like you go from everybody else needs to change and we need to do politics to do it to I can only manage, and we've seen this shift in the show over the years. Like I've talked a lot about the hundred people that you can impact, you know, my job in changing society is raising this little girl to be the best that she can be to make sure that she is happy and healthy your show is you got to quit playing with the tablet here give it here i'll fix it okay you just have that one um you know so like I'm not kicking her out of here to do this podcast because she, you all, I love you, but I think it's kind of fun to hear her. You got to tell them something. Okay, you got to talk into this microphone. Come, come, stand um, over here. Um, I'm, I'm watching TV in your office. And what do you like to watch? Uh, this shows. What shows? Uh, sh- what's your favorite TV show? I just love all of them. Yeah. I still love all of them. Yes. What else would you like to say? 
All right, back to TV zombie. So she um, she'll be a little podcaster too. Do you want to do podcast someday? When you're my age? Okay. I bet it'll be a lot sooner. Mommy's age. It's a little closer. Um, but, like, you... What can we really affect? And so this is what I'm trying to think about. What is the point of this show? Um, I changed it from We Are Libertarians to The Chris Spangle Show so I could talk about a few more different things. Uh, I, I don't know that that's necessarily... Like, necessarily been successful in terms of getting new listeners it probably would have been better to keep it we are libertarians but i really felt like trapped by the term libertarian uh and people's perception of it and just sort of wanted to have my own freedom to give you my version of libertarianism which is sort of an orthodox harry brown style version of libertarianism and as I saw it changing into something that was a little more um, off-right adjacent, alt-right adjacent, I just don't want any part of that. Um, even though I am a culturally conservative person, I just think talking about culture war issues is... It's a pyrrhic victory, man. Like, the reason Mitch Daniels was successful here in Indiana is because he focused on economic issues and he made this a better state. And he, like, kicked the butt of anybody that wanted to talk, you know, cultural issues. And then then Pence comes in as governor and goes full culture war, and he was going to lose his second term to John Gregg again. Like, it, it's... It, I've seen it firsthand how this just makes everything worse. Everything is worse because the Republican Party walked away from classical liberalism from democracy from limited government from lower taxes from you know focusing on the reagan revolution vision and and focused on militarism and focused on beating up trans people like i just i'm not gonna do that um and so, and I'll be honest, libertarians. If Mitch Daniels, who's leaving Purdue, runs for something, I'm going full, full in for Mitt, Daddy Mitch. Like that's it. Like <laughs> I'll join the Republican Party to work for Mitch because I just think his ability to govern and his vision for how politics ought to work, how government ought to work, is so right in so many ways. Um, it's more of a libertarian reformer vision than a let's just have it all collapse and go straight to anarchy because I just think that's a fool a foolish way to think of it like 60% of this country is not with us <laughs> so they're not going to choose libertarianism if it collapses they're going to turn to a progressive strongman so back to the point of the show um, the deeper into my faith like the whole the whole point of the Christian faith is not Christian nationalism it is not to use politics to force you to live the way that they interpret Christ's commandments. The whole point of the Christian life is that you have been given the gift of salvation, that the world is fallen, and that every one of us is judged at the end by our sins. We are uh, all sinful. And we need the protection of Christ's atonement. And 
in exchange for that gift. So if you remember the Passover story, for instance, many of you probably familiar with this in the secular world, Passover was when the uh, the Pharaoh would not let the Egyptians leave in Exodus, and Moses was given the commandment to sacrifice lambs and spread the blood over the doorway, and the last plague was the killing of the firstborn, but the spirit passed over any house that had the atoned lamb's blood. So Christ is the atoning lamb's blood that covers you, right? So in exchange for that free gift, you are to serve. You, as a Christian, you have no other duty but to uh, like advance his kingdom. Uh, I watched, I love horrible Christian movies. <laughs> like, I'm a pure flick subscriber. I, I love Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, like, this one I watched last night with Candace uh, Cameron, the one from Full House. It was just a ripoff of a... It was so bad, but I love these movies. Like, she, she's a doctor from L.A. who's going to join her fiancé in New York, who's another high-powered doctor. She gets trapped in this small Louisiana town, hates everybody, and you know by the end of it, she's going to be in love with the, the dinky local guy, and her, her fiancé will surprise her and show up. And then there's a cross on public land, and the ACLU is suing them. Uh, but there's this older doctor, and he's like, you know, my vocation is serving people. My advocation is as a doctor. And I just, man, that stuck with me. Um, my job is to serve people. Your job as a Christian is to serve people. And even if you're not a Christian, I think your job is to serve people. So what can what can we really do to change the world, to make the world better? Uh, it is to serve the people around us. It's to serve your sons and daughters and wives and stepdaughters and husbands and parents and grandparents. And it is to serve the poor. It's to serve the hungry. It's to serve women with unwanted pregnancies. It's to serve all of these different people. Uh, as we have gotten further away from each one of us taking responsibility for our community and outsourcing that to the government, things have gotten worse. Like, Christians have gotten worse. The church has gotten worse. Like, it's now a political organ for so many people instead of a service organ. You know, our, our idea of missions is like you join a mission trip, you go to Zimbabwe for like three months and build a hut, and then you come back. That's not... The mission, the mission is all of these different opportunities that you have on a daily basis to kill off yourself, kill off your selfish ambition, to stop building a Tower of Babel to yourself and start to serve other people. And, you know, I did that public affairs show and uh, I really kind of enjoyed doing the public affairs show, but the point of doing the public affairs show when I did now hear this, was to get myself a better resume. It was to get my foot in the door at a radio station. And you know what the end of that was? It was uh, me quitting because they got all kinds of big contracts, wouldn't pay me, and like my time is worth something, right? But it wasn't really about service. It was kind of about how can this help me? How can I become a better interviewer? How can I you know, kind of use this to leverage myself into a different radio job at some point. 
it wasn't actually about like the serving of other people, right? Um, it was a very selfish enterprise, which is why it was a very low priority and was easy to kill. And I've just thought that, man, I loved, I, I did love it. I loved getting the information from these nonprofits about the problems that they serve. I had a three-step process, like, come on, tell me the problem that you're trying to solve, how are you solving it, and how can people get involved? And maybe you don't care about the Cerebral Palsy Foundation or the Kidney Foundation or uh, the Starfish Initiative, which gives scholarships to kids. But you learned a little bit about what those people go through who deal with that condition or disease or momentary hardships like you learn not only what exists in the real world but also how people are helping it um and i feel like i'm bringing that back as part of this show and as a local radio so i work at, at bob and tom with a guy named drew carey who's on the board not that one on the board of the indiana high school and college of broadcasters or whatever and by law, every radio station needs to have um, like 30 minutes a week of public affairs content. So if you ever like out on Sunday morning at 7 a.m., you'll hear boring public affairs content, <laughs> people talking to charities. And these high school stations don't have they, – they're not meeting their legal requirements because nobody's doing their shows. So he asked me to restart the that and air that on local stations and – I said, yeah, because these interviews are not hard necessarily, um, and they're pretty rewarding. And nobody else is like helping them get the word out. Nobody else is doing it. Like I put a lot of effort into it. The radio station kind of didn't care. I got frustrated by that. But I think within the nonprofit community, there are a lot of people who were actually appreciative of somebody taking the time to actually like feature their work. Uh, and I'll be honest, like the nonprofit world is very difficult now. Donations are way down. People don't volunteer. They don't even ask for volunteers anymore because people show up one time, they train them, they take a selfie that they're there to look good on Instagram, and then they bounce. Um, you want to build a libertarian society? You've got to build a self-reliant society, one outside of government aid. You want to build a libertarian society. You've got to have people living out a model of service. You've got to live out serving one another. You've got to live out putting down your selfish desires to serve other people around you. The Christian vision is perfectly in line with the libertarian vision. Uh, And that is what has informed my politics as much as anything, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time. Serving your circle is a huge part of my message because it's just not enough to say those people on the left are bad and we've got to use politics to hurt them before they hurt us. That doesn't make the world better. That doesn't make the world sustainable. It just makes the world more unstable and less likely for anybody to actually see other people as human beings. It dehumanizes people. Um... So what's the focus of this show? We're still going to talk about politics. We're still going to talk. I love these Young Voices contributors. They've been adding a lot to the conversation. Still going to do the stuff with Harry and 
Dennis on the weekends and uh, some of the same stuff, but I'm going to start mixing in these interviews that I'm doing with nonprofits. And I know that this is probably not the kind of content that listeners, I'm sure the, the numbers will be down, but I feel a calling on my heart to give you opportunities to hear how other people are living and how you can help them, be it through money, be it through time. And what I want when I when people talk at my funeral, what is my legacy to be? It, it's that I want you to serve your circle. The hundred people around you that you come into contact with, the people that live in your home, it's to serve them. It's to to take care of those people, to deny yourself occasionally, you know, most of the time, instead of like grumbling about going to work, you get to work. I saw the Steve Harvey talk about this. Instead of, oh, I have to go to work today. No, you get to go to work because somebody out there wishes they could go make the income that you make. Ah, I have to take her to the softball today. You get to take that kid to softball because somewhere out there is a couple that has spent tens of thousands on, on IVF and they don't have the privilege that you have, the blessing that you have. Ah, I got to make dinner. You get to make dinner for your family. You have a family and there's somebody out there. Like, See what I'm saying? The mindset shift and that is so powerful. Um, you know, I I just think it's so important to understand what other people are going through and how we can help them. We live, the people that listen to this show are in privileged positions by and large. You make good money. You have good family lives. You have the suburban dream from a lot of the conversations. It doesn't mean that you don't have problems. It doesn't mean that you don't have struggles. Every single one of you listening to this show has issues with your family, issues with your spouse, issues with your kids, issues with your money, issues with your health, issues with your weight. You know, but you still are more privileged than somebody else. You are more blessed than somebody else. And you have a responsibility to help other people. Um, not every puppy that comes into the pound can be saved, right? But, you know, maybe there's something that you're going to hear in a lot of these interviews and a lot of these conversations that will move you to do something for somebody. Uh, but I just feel like talking about the standard political issues is such a waste of time or talking about what happened to the libertarian convention is such a waste of time. Like I'd rather, you know, how real people are living, how the world is really operating. And that's why this show is so different. I'd rather you hear from three moms about how the breast breastfeeding, how the, the formula shortage is affecting them. So it gives you an insight into somebody else's humanity as opposed to, is this good for my team or bad? Um, I don't think that this is any kind of road to riches. I don't think that this is any kind of road to fame. I just hope that uh, you'll stick with me as a patron as we kind of add in some of this content uh, that you will appreciate, that you understand what I'm trying to do. Um, because if libertarians and Christians and let's be honest, people on the right who are generally seen as abhorrent monsters can go out into the world and just serve and treat each other, treat the people that they're serving with respect as opposed to arrogance or haughtiness or anger. 
it, it just shakes the person's perception of what the media claims they are. It, it starts to rebuild the social fabric. And that's really what the Chris Spangle show as it exists is about. It's about civil society. That show that we did a little while ago on civil society, there's plenty of libertarian podcasts talking about business. Rimzo and Jason Stapleton are great at that. There's plenty of libertarian podcasts that talk about bit, about government and why it's bad. Go listen to Dave Smith for that kind of stuff. But there's no, nobody out there really talking about the third leg, which is civil society, the churches, the nonprofits, the social organizations outside of businesses and governments. And that's, that's the role that I think we can fill. Uh, and I want you to be really clear on what I'm trying to do. Um, it will remain the Chris Spengel Show for now. I love the phrase serving your circle. I think it'd be a great name for the show eventually. Um, I've already bought the domain, so you, you can't steal it. <laughs> um, let this be, let this serve as a timestamp for my trademark in the future. Um, because I just, I want this audience. I already know how generous you are. There's somebody, there's a patron that I see that is thriving that this audience gave $5,000 to so she could leave a bad situation. And she's thriving because of the people in this audience. And, you know, I just, I love that. And I want to do more of that. So, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here. Make this little squish some breakfast. Um, Eleanor, Eleanor, is there anything else you'd like to say? Squish. TV face. Do you want to say goodbye? Yeah, no. No? You don't want to say goodbye to the people? She's she's deeply engaged in Scooby Doo, so um, I'd love to hear from you. I know you know I know I can't be alone in some of these frustrations uh, and the frustration that it's hard to fix. Uh, so, all right, please comment on the Patreon website or in Dear Leaders Court. Let's get the conversation going. All right, everybody, thanks so much. I appreciate you. <laughs>